0: Listen, hey, hey, anybody there? Hey, hey, anybody listening? Anybody here? Hi, my name is Jonette Gay, and I'm the pastor of Otterbein United Methodist Church. And we are starting a new podcast. I have with me today our media specialist.
1: Hi, Jason Burgess.
0: And we want to talk and we want to listen. Our faith is seen and understood in many topics. We're glad you've tuned in today to Hey, Hey, anybody listening? Hello, I'm Jonette Gay and I have with me Daryl Stevens today. Welcome, Daryl.
1: Thank you, Jonette. It's good to be here.
0: And we are glad to have you. I hear you're a bit of an expert about United Methodist Polity. You teach United Methodist Polity and Church History, right? So I I,
1: I teach ethics at Lancaster Theological Seminary and uh, I've taught United Methodist History, Polity and Doctrine And that was my dissertation topic actually on the United Methodist Social Principles at Emory University.
0: Oh, wow. And you are a deacon in full connection in the United Methodist Church, right?
1: Yes, I'm a member of the Eastern Pennsylvania Annual Conference and I'm the chair of the Order of Deacons.
0: Okay. And you have a book about the discipline, right, with your- So,
1: Methodist Morals. Is the title of my book, which I wrote about the social principles and the history and theology of our social witness.
0: Well, for those who are tuning in and ha- are curious about the disarray of the United Methodist Church, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about our Book of Discipline, what it means, and what you know about it.
1: Well, in the United Methodist Church, we're a connectional church, which means that we share a common structure and connection with other congregations. The Book of Discipline is our book of law. Book of Discipline is legislated by our general conference every four years and tells us what it means to be United Methodist and how we are to relate to each other and provides rules for accountability and structure for clergy congregations Mm -hmm. committees and other things the united methodist church is a global church which means we have congregations and conferences around the world in the philippines europe africa and the united states and the book of discipline while it is legislated by our general conference can be adapted by conferences outside of the United States for missional purposes.
0: So there are other books of discipline.
1: There are, there are multiple books of discipline in the United Methodist Church. One interesting thing that I learned in my research as I was comparing different adaptations and translations into other languages is that there does not exist anywhere in the world a single bookshelf with every version, current version, of the Book of Discipline in the United Methodist Church. And what's even more surprising is there's no one in the world who can tell you which books should be on that shelf. We do not know how many adaptations and translations there are currently.
0: Wow. Well, it seems like the other churches in other countries can adapt, but it doesn't seem like the United States can.
1: The United States conferences cannot adapt the Book of Discipline. That um, power only resides with conferences outside of the United States. So there's a bit of a discrepancy in the way the general conference legislation pertains to United Methodists in the United States versus other places in the world. That said, much of the Book of Discipline is is held in common um, across the world. Um, There are slight differences in um, the social principles, for example, and as well as um, in the way bishops and deacons are treated. So bishops in some conferences in the United Methodist Church in Africa are elected for a term of four years. In the United States, bishops are elected for a lifetime term. I'm an ordained deacon in the Eastern Pennsylvania Conference. Um, That's a permanent status, um, full membership in the conference. There are some conferences in other parts of the world in which the deacon is still a transition to the ordination of elder. So my my role as a permanent deacon does not exist in some conferences.
0: Well, that tells us a little bit about the global part of United Methodist Church. What about the history? I mean, have we ever had issues with the discipline before? Oh yes. <laughs> what is some of? <laughs> we the? have
1: always had issues. What with are the some discipline? of the things that? There has never been a time when every United Methodist has agreed with everything in the discipline. Um, the first discipline in the 18th century had a rule that uh, clergy could not own slaves. Well that rule was quickly ignored within in about six months time. It was widely uh, violated by Southern United Methodist or Southern Methodist Episcopal clergy at that time. As you know the History of slavery and Methodism went on for many generations. Um, The Methodist Episcopal Church split in 1844 over this issue. In the 19th and 20th century, the issue of divorce was a dividing issue. So 100 years ago, there was a rule that said clergy could not be divorced or marry a divorcee. That rule was violated. Pastor was brought up on charges. The same place in the discipline today has rules against gay and lesbian clergy. So we continue to fight over what's in the discipline, and what our rules for, what our rules are, and what's acceptable for clergy and what's not acceptable.
0: It seems like there's something about um unevenly yoked that was a big deal back in the day.
1: Yes, so uh, in one of Paul's letters he talks about husband and wife being equally yoked. That is, they're both believers, they're both Christian. In early Methodism, Methodists were supposed to be equally yoked with their spouse. That is, if their spouse was not a Methodist, uh, that was a problem because they hadn't um, accepted the Methodist discipline and way of living a holy life. In the 20th century, that got applied to Protestants marrying Catholics as being unequally yoked. So we have we have tried to monitor and regulate who can marry whom in every generation of Methodism. And I, I go into detail in this in Methodist morals. That's one of the very interesting Uh, topics and case studies that are right about.
0: Wow. does something else come to mind when you think of our current state and the discipline and conversations. You said, I heard you say that the discipline contradicts itself. Can you give an example?
1: Well, um, for example, in our doctrinal standards, one of our doctrinal standards says that war and bloodshed is incompatible with the teachings and example of Christ. Yet um, in the social principles, we talk about the ability of individuals to discern whether or not they want to serve in the military. So it's difficult to understand how military service could be compatible with our doctrinal standards. And there are many other parts of the social principles in particular, because there are many specific social issues that are addressed uh, where the social principles may take what appear to be contradictory stances on issues. The social principles are meant to guide our best thinking and discernment. Social principles are not church law and they're not designed to be the answer or the end of the conversation. They're designed to spark and enable our conversations.
0: Well, I think some clergy and churches are wanting to be obedient to the law of love, even if that's disobedient to a law. And do you think it's possible to be obedient to the law of love?
1: So I'll just dive in very specifically Bishop Melvin Talbert has engaged in what people call ecclesial disobedience. That is, um, he has ordained gay and lesbian pastors. He has conducted same-sex weddings, both of which are contrary to the letter of the law in the Book of Discipline. He, instead of terming his work ecclesial disobedience, has turned this around and talks about his work as an act of biblical obedience, being obedient to the law of love over the what he considers unjust laws in the Book of Discipline. So the same issue faced Martin Luther King Jr. in the Birmingham City Jail when he wrote about obeying the, the higher law. That is, the law of the land was that the races had to be segregated. He violated that law because he said it was contrary to the natural law, to God's law, that talks about um, loving our neighbor equally.
0: Yes, I remember when Bishop Talbert said that, and I uh, think one of the most convicting things I've ever written is letters from prison, when Martin Luther King challenges moderate pastors who just want to wait when it's time. Well, I really appreciate just this brief conversation about the discipline, about the United Methodist Church, and different perspectives and your knowledge of where we are. Did, could you just say a word about what disaffiliation means, if someone listening has heard that word and not sure where it stands?
1: So disaffiliation is a word that has entered the lexicon of United Methodism recently. Um, this is a way of talking about a congregation that would like to leave the denomination. So in the United Methodist Church, congregations are belong to a denomination, the congregations building and assets are held in trust for the the annual conference and in 2019 general conference um, legislated a a rule that said congregations could disaffiliate who uh, disagreed about homosexuality and there was a process put in place and a certain cost involved um, to pay Apportionments and the um, the clergy retirement. So it is possible for congregation, United Methodist congregations to um, vote to leave the denomination. To, that is to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church. Uh, we this has captured some headlines. Uh, the reality is that um, this pertains to about. Three percent of our congregations, a very small percentage of congregations, have actually investigated um, or gone through a discernment about this, or voted to disaffiliate. Most congregations are very divided, as are as is society.
0: Well, what is your hope? What do, what do you feel hopeful about in the United Methodist Church, or do you feel hopeful? In- <laughs>
1: So I I do have a a, um, cautious hope for the United Methodist Church. I believe the United Methodist Church is, is a very big tent. We have a wide variety of people and beliefs and cultures and ethnicities and theologies that work in the United Methodist Church. We share a conviction that God acts in our lives through grace and that we can grow in the love of God and neighbor through grace. And the way we grow is through works of mercy and works of piety, that we love God and love our neighbor as ourselves, and that we can put this into practice through Bible study and worship and prayer and small group accountability and visiting those in prison, feeding the hungry, fighting poverty and injustice in our world. Um, So these are the things that uh, hold us together, our faith in action and our confidence that God's grace is enabling us to, to be better and to do better.
0: Thank you, Daryl. And I think all of you who've tuned in with us to Hey Hey, anybody listening? glad you were with us today and I hope you'll tune in again as we listen to one another.